morning. Hey. Well, we are incredibly honored this morning. We have the bishop in the house. Um, now, let me tell you about this guy. He is he leads our Elam Leadership College program, our Level 3 program. That kicked off at last year, I believe it was, uh, and he's led that ever since. He's an incredible communicator, incredible teacher of the word, uh, but also he's an incredible guy. Uh, I, I always say this guy would give you the shirt off his back, and he actually literally did once when I said, I'm super cold, and he said, here, you can have my flash new jacket. Um, but let me tell you this morning, Anything that he says uh, is probably inspired by me and my conversations around the office because uh, he likes to steal some of my sermon material. Now, I don't know how much of that is true, but Elam Christian Center, can we put our hands together and welcome Pastor Jake this morning as he brings the word. Awesome. Thank you, Cameron. Pastor Cameron. I think after the introduction, there'll be no heavenly reward for me. That was it. That was a very warm introduction. Thank you. Thanks, Cameron. Well, kia ora and talofa and shalom, namaste, ni hao ma. It is always a privilege to be here at uh, my second favorite campus, Ilan Pukekohe. And I bring greetings from the Jewel and the Crown of South Auckland, the Manureo campus. We want to say hello, and it's a blessing to be here. Um, I mean this as well, Jude. Every time I come here, I honestly believe, I mean this, that you guys bless me more than I bless you when I come here. Um, you guys are so warm and so inviting. I just feel like part of the family whenever I come here, being super accommodating. Uh, thank you, Kate, for doing such a great job of hosting me. You know, Kate would follow me around, she'd make me coffee, she'd make sure the temperature was okay and make sure I felt comfortable. I was starting to get a big head. I was starting to think, I, I made it as a speaker. I'm, I'm a big deal now that I have Kate following me around. So really do appreciate it. And of course, <laughs> thanks, Kate. And I know that your, your wonderful pastors are away. Uh, which is why Pastor Kelly has been overseeing the campus. Uh, church, has he been behaving himself? Has he been doing well? Has he been, has he been leading pretty well? Has he been all right? <laughs> all right. Um, but obviously, Pastor Kelly is from our campus, and, and we do miss him. Uh, I'm always in awe of Kalen. For someone who is very much still in their 20s can lead a campus with such comp with a high level of competency and character and conviction. You're able to have him, but we're going to have him back soon, okay? So you can't keep him, okay? We're going to get him back soon. Um, but, 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 but without further ado, church, we're going to get up. Well, let's get into the word. But before we do that, let's commit our time to Jesus in prayer. <clears throat> Father, we are so thankful that we can come together as your people to hear you speak through your word. Um, Father, I pray as your people that we would come under the authority of the Word of God, uh, that we would not uh, that we would not question, we would not subvert, but Father, we'd allow you to speak through your Word. Father, I pray the Word would do two things: it would comfort uh, those who are anxious, and it would sort of you know, it, would, it would challenge the comfortable. Father, we pray that your Word would not return void; it would accomplish its purposes. We love you so much, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, <laughs> "Awesome." Why do church in about? For about three months' time, I'm due to get married. I know. Thank you so much. You know, there you go. <laughs> Miracles still happen. Okay, I'm about in three months. I'm due to get married, and um, gearing up to get married, it made me reflect upon the very first time I met my fiance Tumbi. Her name is Tumbi. She's currently at the Mandiro campus, and I wish, as much as I'd like to say, it was a shine TV romantic comedy Christmas moment. Church, it was the most awkward day of my life. Okay, me and Tumbi met for the sort of we got to know each other <coughs> online, you know, through, during the first lockdown. And uh, she was in Wellington at the time, and we were connecting, and, 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 you know, through countless phone calls and DMing and, and, and messaging, there was this sizzling chemistry team online. And I got to be honest, Church, she really couldn't get enough of me, if I'm being honest, you know, throughout the time. And I told her to stay at Manureo so she can't refute anything I say during my story. But and we were getting to know each other, family. And there was an understanding that we were getting to know each other, you know, via, via distance. But church, as soon as the travel restrictions lifted, I was on the first flight to Wellington, and I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to make a statement. 
I'm going to make a statement. We are going to meet for the very first time at a church Sunday morning, at Elam International Church. I'm going to go to Pandora. I'm going to gather all my pennies and, and buy the best gift I can. And I'll present to her a gift at, at, at the church service. And church, she will tremble in the sight of my boldness and generosity. Wow. I know what you're thinking, church. Wow. What a man. But there was... Um, but family, lo and behold, that did not happen. You know, we met for the first time in person at church, and we greeted each other with the most awkward side hug you can imagine. We saw each other. We saw each other in the corridor. We walked into church together. But church, nobody is talking. Okay, we won't even look at each other. We sit together at church, and we're listening to the sermon. But again, nobody's looking at each other. And finally, the sermon concludes, and we are looking for anybody else to talk to but each other. And finally, when the, service, when the sermon concludes, and, we, and the service concludes, I should say, we make our way to a cafeteria to have some lunch. And we order our lunch, and we make our way at a table to wait for our food. And church, this waiting for our food was the most awkward 10 minutes of my life. Church, it felt like an eternity. There was a good 10 minutes of awkward silence when I was sitting there. And family, in my effort to sort of break the ice and kind of rekindle the fire that we once had, I looked at Tumby and I said... <clears throat> You know, Tumby, let me deepen my voice here. But, you know, Tumby, um, your photos don't do you justice. Here we go. You are far more beautiful in person. I thought that was a good line. And you know what she said, church? She looked at me and she said, oh, that's nice. More awkward silence followed by after that. So it wasn't very, um, it didn't work family, okay? So, but eventually we left the table of silence in the cafeteria. And we began to walk with each other side by side through the CBD. And church, whilst it was still very awkward, as we began to walk side by side, a comfortability began to be cultivated. Because of the proximity of literally walking alongside someone, it's very disarming, we began to open up. And because you quite literally have to be in step with someone to walk alongside them, it bred a sense of harmony and, and connection and, and sort of synergy also. There's a oneness now beginning to develop because we're walking side by side, because of the proximity of walking alongside someone. You know, family, I'm sure you've discovered this yourself when you're walking alongside a loved one or a friend or a spouse, that when you walk with someone, because of the proximity, it breeds a sense of connection, companionship, oneness, and even synergy also. And family, upon reflection on my first date with Tumbi, I discovered what bred the sense of connection that I really wanted was not the grand exploits, was not the grand romantic exploit, exploit or gestures, but rather it was quite literally journeying alongside her and walking with her. And church, if I'm being honest, this pattern of prioritizing grand gestures and exploits above actually walking with someone for the longest time defined my relationship with God as well. You know, when I was younger family, I'd receive these sort of wide-eyed, grandiose prophetic words about the great exploits I would do for God. And church, I, yeah, you know what it's like, man. Yeah? And, and church, I placed so much personal stock in those prophetic words spoken over me. I became fixated on doing great exploits for God, on doing great things for God. But you know, church, the older I get, and by the grace of God, as I've matured in my walk with Jesus, the more my heart has become dissatisfied and discontent with doing exploits in the name of God. Family, the older I get, the more my heart simply longs to walk with God. To walk with God. <clears throat> That's the longing in my heart, church. 
Now, family, don't now sort of don't misunderstand me here, team. Aspiring to do great exploits for God is noble. Advancing the kingdom is admirable. Serving people, non-negotiable. But friends, walking with God is the pinnacle. Friends, a smart man will find a way to walk on the moon. An audacious man will walk along the steepest ocean floor. But a wise man walks with God. Your family, St. Augustine said this. He said, the heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. Friend, your heart will never find rest in chasing exploits and accolades, however noble. It will never find rest in achievements, job, or, or status, however elevated. Your heart will only find rest when it walks with God. Your family, to walk with God means that you have proximity with God. It means that you have connection with God. And friend, because you have proximity with God, the voice of God is no longer a whimpering whisper in the wind, but rather it becomes the booming, resounding voice of the shepherd. To walk with God means that you are moving in the same direction as God because you are in agreement with him. Amos says, how can two walk together unless they agree? That's what it means to walk with God. And family, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to Genesis chapter 5, <coughs> verses uh, 21 to 23. Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 to 23. Again, family, to walk with God means that you have alignment with God, that you have synergy with God, that there is deep abiding connection, even friendship with God. Friendship with God, family. You know, church, when I was younger, because I was quite, you know, in my teen years, because I was quite a legalistic and narrow-minded Christian when I was younger, I'd get really annoyed going to youth group because I'd hear all these young people talk about their relationship with Jesus. They would say things like this. They would say, Jesus is my best friend. He's my BFF. We walk together. We talk together. We go to the beach together. We always talk as if we're BFFs. Jesus is my best friend. I'd be thinking to myself, do you people not fear God at all? He's not your BFF. He's El Shaddai. He's God Almighty. He's high and lifted up. He's the soon coming king, I'd be thinking. Now, church, how many of you know that more than one thing can be true at the same time? Who knows that? That Jesus, that Jesus would order my life as Lord, that he would redeem my life as Savior, but he would walk with me through life as friend. Micah says, what does God require of you? that you love justice, that you do kindness, and that you humbly walk with God. Family, we're going to look at a man who exemplifies precisely what we're talking about. Now, this figure in Scripture is a mysterious and somewhat enigmatic figure in the Bible. He's a man by the name of Enoch. Now, family, <clears throat> there, is very little, there is very little written about Enoch, and yet he, for some reason he finds himself in the, Hebrew, in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Very little written about him. Now, family, the first time we, we meet Enoch is in Genesis chapter 5. But so much has happened before then. Not only is the creation of the world being completed, but the generations after the fall beginning to manifest the realities of sin. The first two siblings, Cain and Abel, embody the first scene of sin, martyrdom, and murder. Adam's family portrait is a broken one. At the end of Genesis chapter 4, family, we, we come across a figure known as Lamech. 
Now, Team Lamech is a very braggadocious, arrogant, and evil figure, to say the least. However, Team, he cannot be ignored in any meaningful study of Enoch. Team Lamech and Enoch are seen as two characters on the same stage, continuing the tension between Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel are not only the, are not only the sons of Eve, they are also the human beginning of two separate kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the evil one. And team, we see this tension continue in the life of Lamech. Lamech is the seventh son of Adam through the line of Cain. Lamech is self-exalting, self-aggrandizing. He boasts, he is arrogant. In fact, we can even say, team, he is Cain perfected. We see this in his own statement when he says, if Cain's revenge was sevenfold, then my revenge will be 77-fold. Lamech, by his own admission, is 10 times as murderous, 10 times as sinful, and 10 times as arrogant as Cain. In fact, he even says that he will set himself up as if he was God and execute judgment in the place of God. He even boasts that he murders someone. He sees it as a source of boasting. Lamech comes very much from the line of the evil one, the line of the serpent. But family, the opposite of Lamech is Enoch. Now, Tim, Enoch also is the seventh son of Adam, but he comes from the far more faithful line of Cain. In other words, Tim, if Adam had a family tree, both Enoch, Enoch and Lamech would be on, would be on separate sides of that family tree, seven generations down on opposing sides. One would come from the line of Seth, and the other would come from the line of Cain. One would come from the line that proved to be faithful and chosen, the other from the line that was disobedient and corrupt. Friends, Enoch finds himself on the side of the faithful. Now, family, I say all of that, all of this begs a question. What made Enoch so special? What was it about Enoch, team, that he would be the very opposite or antithesis of Lamech? What is it about Enoch team that despite not having the leadership exploits of Moses, the legacy of, of Abraham, the audaciousness of Elijah, the prophetic insight of Daniel, the wisdom of Solomon, that he would find himself in the Hebrews Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11, despite not performing any exploits that we would consider exceptional? What is it about Enoch that despite only having literally 10 verses of Scripture written about him, that the Bible would exalt him as an example that we are to aspire to? What is it about him? What makes Enoch so special? Well, church, those are all great questions. I'm glad you asked them. Here's the answer. Verse 24. Verse 24 says, Enoch walked with God. Verse 23 says it, says it again. Enoch walked with God. Family, the summation, the, the legacy, the epithet, the totality of this man's life could be summed up in four words. Enoch walked with God. For Enoch to walk with God, family, means that Enoch had communion with God. He had deep abiding fellowship and connection with God. And family, if Enoch... Under the, old, under the old covenant, can walk with God with such intimacy, connection, and harmony, then surely as the people of God, who know the redemption of the Son, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and the love of the Father, could be expected to walk with the same level of intimacy with God as well. 
Church, we're going to walk through our text, and we're going to make some. We're going to make some applications through the life of Enoch about the nature of his walk. Is that okay? We'll make four applications, family, and we'll go from there. Let's look at the nature of Enoch's walk. Point number one, family: Enoch's walk with God made him separate. Enoch's walk with God made him separate. It set him apart, family. You know, family, when you walk with God, it will separate you. It will set you apart. When you walk with God, it will distinguish you from other people. I don't know about you, church, but when I'm in the company of, of, I've been in the company of certain people who walk with God, and they change the atmosphere in the room. You're thinking to yourself, man, there is something about them. I I just can't put my finger on it. There is this intangible, unquantifiable something about them. You know, I've been in the company of certain people, church, and I've been thinking to myself, you know, I'm not too sure what it is, but I get the distinct impression that they are closer to Jesus than I am. When you walk with Jesus' family, it will separate you. It will distinguish you. And what's interesting, family, when you read that genealogy in Genesis chapter 5, you'll find that Enoch stands out in more ways than one. He is distinct in more ways than one. He's distinct in this sense, church. Out of the 10 men who feature in that genealogy, all but one follow the same established pattern. They all follow the same pattern, church. All but one. The Bible says that these men, they lived, they beget children, and then, three words, and then they die. That's the established pattern for all these 10 men except one. It begins with Adam in verse 1. It says, Adam lives, he begets children, he has a son named Seth who bears his likeness, and then he dies. Seth lives, he begets children, he has Enosh, and then he dies. Enosh lives, he begets Canaan, and then he dies. Canaan lives, he begets Mahalalei, and then he dies. Mahalalei lives, he begets Jared, and then, you guessed it, he dies. Jared lives, he begets Enoch, and then he dies. That is the same established pattern. But family, when we finally get to Enoch, Enoch breaks the established pattern. He disrupts the established pattern in Scripture. Where it should have read, Enoch walked with God, and then he died. It reads, Enoch walked with God, and then he was not. For the Lord took him. It even goes on, family. Methuselah, the the son of Enoch. Uh, Lamech, Noah, they live, they beget children, and then they die. Church, Enoch stands out as a beacon of light in what literally is a cemetery. And friends, when you walk with God, you will stand out You will be a beacon of light and often what is a dark place. But church, I want to encourage you. Not only will you stand out with people, more importantly, you will stand out with God. Your family, when you read through that genealogy, there are some exceptional people in that list. Some extraordinary men even. You have have, uh, uh, Abraham, who was quite literally the first man to ever exist. Extraordinary. You have Methuselah, who was quite literally the oldest man to ever live. Again, exceptional. You have Noah, who who built an ark to escape the judgment to come, and then is used by God to perpetuate the human species. Again, again, exceptional. There are some exceptional, extraordinary men here. But we also read, church, there are also some men who are not so exceptional or ordinary. There is Lamech, Enosh, Seth even, 
These men are ordinary. So church, you have in this list the ordinary and the extraordinary, the exceptional and the ordinary. And church, from the world's perspective, most people find themselves in one of those two categories, either the exceptional or the ordinary. All people find themselves in those two categories from the world's perspective. But people of God, I'm here to encourage you that there is a third category of people that in the eyes of God outweighs, outmeasures, outshines, transcends these categories of ordinary and extraordinary. And church, it is the category of people who walk with God. Friend, Enoch was not an extraordinary man because of his exceptional exploits. Church, he was an ordinary man who walked with an extraordinary God. And because of that, we are still talking about him today. Amen. Friends, when you walk with God, it will set you apart. Second point. Enoch's walk with God was submitted. His walk with God was submitted. You know, church, you cannot walk with God unless you first submit to the leading of God. Now, church, notice it did not say that God walked with Enoch. No, it said Enoch walked with God. Notice it does, not, it does not also say, family, that Enoch walked ahead of God, as if to presume on God or assume on God. Now, I think if we're honest, family, there would be moments where we've been guilty of walking ahead of God, as if to presume or assume on God. I've done this. You know, church, I... We, we make our plans, we devise our plans, and then we ask God to bless them. We conjure up a ministry in our own mind, and then we expect God to show up, when the reality was, he didn't birth the thing to begin with. We presume or assume on God by going ahead of God. But church, Enoch didn't do that. Nor did Enoch family walk ahead, or so walk after God, as if the presence of God was something to pursue or chase. Family, I want to encourage you that the presence of God is not a fleeting reality that you have to chase after or capture. But rather, friend, if you know Jesus, if you've been indwelt by the Spirit of God, you carry the presence of God wherever you go. You simply have to decide, family, if you will be in agreement with His presence, if you will submit to His leading. Family, Enoch did not walk ahead of God, nor did he walk after God. Enoch walked with God. He submitted to the leading of God and submitted to his presence because he was in agreement with God. Does that make sense, family? In fact, Jesus put it this way. Jesus said, listen, if you want to come after me, if you want to walk with me, if you want to come after me, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Your family, the word in deny in Greek means to refuse to associate with. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you want to come after me, If you want to walk with me, you have to refuse to associate with the person you once were. To walk with God, family, means that we submit to his leading. To walk with Jesus means to submit to his lordship. To walk with the Holy Spirit means to be led by the Spirit. And to walk with the Father means that we sit in our identity as a son. To walk with God, family, means that we must submit to the leading of God. Third point. Enoch's walk with God was staunch. Everybody say staunch. I thought about steadfast, but I thought I'm from South Auckland, so we use the word staunch, okay? So staunch is better. Your family, Enoch lived during a time known as the antediluvian period. Everybody, who can say that? Everybody say antediluvian. Antediluvian. I think that's the correct pronunciation, I think. Now, family, the antediluvian period describes a period of time that was before the flood. 
We read about in Genesis chapter 1 to 6. Family, it is a time defined by corruption, sin, and debauchery. In fact, we even have angels sleeping with humans. It's a time where corruption, idolatry, sexual perversion is embedded in the very culture. In fact, when Jesus described this time in Luke chapter 17, he said this. He said, the people, they ate, they drank, they did as they please. There was no fear of God. There was no second thought of the warnings of judgment to come. When Genesis 6, when Genesis 6 describes the time, it says that there was great wickedness upon the land. And that every intention of every heart was evil continually. In fact, the Bible even says, church, that God experienced regret or remorse over his creation because how corrupt and debauched they had become. The population of the earth during this time could have been anywhere from 700 million to 4 billion people. So church, here you have hundreds of millions of people who are caught up in their own sin, debauchery, and, uh, and, and evilness. Worshipping whatever they want, satisfying their sexual proclivities however they want, doing whatever they want. This is the context Enoch finds himself in. Your family, it's one thing to walk with God in the company of people who also walk with God. It is quite another thing to walk with God in the midst of people who despise him. Enoch's surrounding culture was not conducive to a relationship with God. In fact, Enoch could not have asked for more hostile conditions in order to please God. Family, the world was walking one way, but because Enoch had a staunch, resolute conviction, he could say, you might be walking that way, but I'm going to walk with God. There may be sin, there may be evil encroaching, but I'm going to walk with God. There may be sexual sin that may seek to tempt me, but I'm going to walk with God. This evil system may seek to claim me, but I'm going to walk with God. Friend, Enoch could walk with God because he had a resolute, staunch conviction that he refused to walk with anything else. And family, for some of us who are here, who are feeling the sway of a culture going one way, who are feeling the weight of a world that would seek to conform us and shape us into its own image, friend, God is saying, friend, how long will you hold between two opinions? If the Lord is, if the Lord is God, walk with him. If it is Baal, walk with him. Family, the world may be walking one way, but God is saying, walk with me. Some, some of you might be saying, oh, but I just want to live my life. God is saying, listen, your life is not your own. Walk with me. But I just want to live my truth. Friend, Jesus is the truth. Walk with me. But I just want to try new experiences. Friend, you've tried enough new experiences, and they've always ended up at the same old places. God is saying, listen, walk with me, and I will truly do a new thing. Friend, don't walk with the world to be current as one of them when God is saying, come out from among them and be separate and walk with God, family. Walk with God. Friend, don't be current as one of them and walk with the world when God is saying, come out from among them and walk with God. Enoch had a staunch, resolute conviction that he refused to walk with anything else. He walked with God. Fourth and final point, if I could uh, ask the band to join me on stage, please. <clears throat> Family, Enoch's walk with God was a statement. Okay, Enoch's walk with God was a statement. Your family, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, it says that Enoch had a testimony. Now, church, when we hear the word testimony, we often think of sort of a, the ability to recite our journey of faith. You know, before Jesus, you know, and after Jesus, and what our life has been like since. 
But family, the testimony that Enoch had was not a static recitation of his walk with God or how he came to know God, but rather it was a dynamic, unfolding witness, not only to the faithfulness of God, but to the faithfulness of Enoch. Hebrews 11 verse 5 says, Therefore he had this testimony, that he pleased God. Family, what a testimony to say that you lived a life that pleased God. You know, friends, most of us have a testimony, but do we have this testimony? For your testimony with God, your testimony as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, is not one and done when you gave your life to Christ. Rather, it should be a dynamic, relentless, unfolding witness, not only to the goodness of God, but to your faithfulness as you respond to his faithfulness. That we live a life that is pleasing to God. Friend, can that be said of you? Could that be said of me? Would God find pleasure in my pursuits and your pursuits? Would he delight in my decisions and your decisions? Do you have a walk with God that is, that is separate, submitted, that is anchored in a staunch conviction, a walk with God that is a statement of a life that pleases him? You know, family, when it says in our text that Enoch walked with God and the Lord took him. In other words, he never tasted death, Hebrews tells us. And church, I'm going to be honest here. I wish I could give you some application in terms of the significance of God taking Enoch. I wish I could give you some sort of imagery or theology that will give you an application for why God took Enoch that way. But after about 20 commentaries, I am none the wiser, if I'm being honest. I didn't find anything that was that convincing to me personally. But I do know this family. I do know one thing. That Enoch walked with God and it pleased him. And thus, family, when God took Enoch, it would have pleased him to do so. One preacher said, one preacher said that God was walking with Enoch and God said to Enoch, you know, Enoch, it's a lot closer to my house than yours from here. Why don't you come back with me? And the Lord took him. Your family, because Enoch had such oneness and connection and harmony with God, I know it would have pleased God to call him home. And friend, when God finally calls you home, will your audience with the triune God, the God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the God who, who made himself known in the person of Jesus Christ, would this audience with the triune God simply be an extension, the organic extension of a life that walked with God? Will your life embody the words, well done, good and faithful servant, because you lived a life that was pleasing to him? Friend, we're gonna, I want to encourage you, if you're, not, if you're not doing so already, my pastor Callum will give the invitation for you to walk with God today. Amen. And Father, we're so thankful, Lord, that you are a God of connection, that you are not a God who is aloof or detached or distant, but you are a God of, that you are a God of relationship, that you call us to know you, to walk with you, to call us your friend, to be a friend of God. And Father, I pray, Lord, for people here who know you, but who have drifted far from you, have walked another path, who have, who have walked another, 
another, another way, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, that you realign them here this morning, that you convict them, Father, and bring them back in alignment for them to walk with your son. And Father, I pray here for people who don't know you at all, who, who've come to church and this is all quite foreign to them. Father, I pray, Lord, that they would have a, that they would have a, a conviction in the heart, Lord, they've been created to walk with God, to walk with him all the days of their life. We love you, Lord, and we trust that you do the work in the heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Come on, church. Why don't we thank Jake for an incredible message this morning. Very cool. Very challenging. Very good word. Very good word and season as well. Um, I'm just going to ask.